really appreciate the words of those songs and the enthusiasm. I hope in your heart, if not out loud, you were saying amen at the end of a few of those. Uh, just a reminder, if you signed up to uh, give anything to kind of stock the guest house for Jacob Brink, he's moving in this afternoon, uh, that those things would get delivered. Uh, we will introduce him to the congregation next week. I'd like you to turn uh, in your Bibles to uh, Exodus chapter 16. Uh, that's where we're, that's the main passage. But we're not going to start there. My introduction is about half as long as the sermon this morning. Not by design, but it came out that way this morning. The, the sermon is entitled, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. We live in a time right now, and I believe this is a sermon for today. We live in a time when uh, we are living in the past. It's like, this isn't the way it used to be. I get it. I don't like where we're at today. Or we're living in the future and it's like, well, if this keeps going this way, look what's going to happen in the future. And I'm going to tell you that the Bible does not preach or teach or write against making plans. It says in Proverbs, go to the ant. The ant gathers in the summertime so they're ready in the winter. I encourage people to do a budget so you know what you're doing, how you're spending your money, how you're going to meet your bills and all those kinds of things. And I absolutely am in favor of having a testimony that says, this is what God has done in my life in the past. This is how God has worked in my life in the past. I'm not against any of those things, so please don't read that into my sermon. But the sermon today is, give us this day our daily bread. In Matthew chapter 6, they call it the Lord's Prayer. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually a model prayer or an example prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples after they said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. And he gave them an outline. He didn't say, like the church I grew up in, we'd stand up and repeat this every Sunday and it became like... You know, I, at least I memorized it because you said it so often. But the point is, it was never meant to pray. It's not wrong. Um, it's not any more wrong to read it or say it than any other passage of Scripture. But it's not the prayer we're to pray. It's an example. And right in the middle, it says, give us this day our daily bread. God says, I am sufficient for every single day. Does he hold the future? Absolutely. Is he the one that was in the past? Absolutely. But he wants us to understand that if we get so distracted that the, the world in the future or the world in the past is controlling today, you are not going to live in victory. You will not be doing what God wants you to do today. And so he emphasizes that. In fact is... <clears throat> If you go through the chapter and you come to the end of Matthew chapter 6, you're going to find that he continues on in that vein. And there he says, and um, I'm just going to read the last three verses. Uh, it says in verse 32 of Matthew 6, it says, For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He said... The world around you, 
those that do not, are not believers, he said, they look at all the things the world has to offer and what you need to do to survive in this world. That's what they concentrate. Their focus is on what are we going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Those kinds of things. They focus on all of those things. And he had just got done saying God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. He, he takes care of all these things. And then he goes on to say, but, because God knows our needs, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's kind of like a benefit package that goes with doing what he asks us to do. And then he ends with this. Therefore, on the basis of don't be anxious, therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That word trouble could be hard things, evil things, or wickedness. He says, I know better than you what it's like to live in COVID-19. I know better than you do into how to look at our big cities and see that they're burning and riots are taking place and looting. He knows better than we do this an election year. You name, you put those three together, you've got the perfect storm, right? People get distracted. I understand that you're concerned about all of those. So am I. I have to deal with all of them. But he says, I want you to know in the middle of that, I am the God who deals with you today. Now, the word anxiety comes up here. If you have a King James Version, it says, be careful for nothing. If you use a newer version, it says, don't be worried about anything. The version I use says, don't be anxious for anything. All three are really good translations. And I could spend a whole sermon saying why each one of those is a great way to translate this passage. The word care, like in King James, we, we don't usually use it that way today. But care is being distracted or going out of your way. For example, in 1 Corinthians, chapter, in 1 Corinthians it says, have the same care for one another. If you're caring for someone else, it means you go out of your comfort zone, out of the normal of life, and you devote yourself to helping somebody else. You have care for one another. You go out of your way. It costs you time and energy, resources, whatever it is. It costs you. If it says, don't worry, well, we all know what worry is. We're, we're trying to fix tomorrow when it didn't get here, and we're worried about what we did before, and it gets us off track. Anxiety puts the same thing there. It's those things that get you to the point where you, you kind of freeze and live in fear. Well, guess what? All three of those translations have one thing in common. It's the bottom line for those three words. The word distraction. And I know I'm right here because it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, these are the things that distract the world. They get our focus for us as believers. They get our focus off of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I am not minimizing one single thing that's going on in this messed up world today. We live in a sin-cursed world. No doubt about it. I'm not minimizing that at all. We are here. 
If you went back in biblical times, Jesus lived in a sin-cursed world. That was a mess. The Apostle Paul lived in a messed up world. You name it, it's always been that way. But Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Don't worry about tomorrow. You can't change a thing about what's going to happen. You didn't get there yet. You haven't lived there yet. And by the way, the past is history. You can't go back and undo that. It's just the way it is. Keep that in mind as you listen to this. And you go, so what does this have to do with Exodus chapter 16? Exodus chapter 16 is where the people grumble one more time and say, we wish God would have killed us back in Egypt because we're out here in the middle of nowhere and we're going to starve to death. And God gave them manna. The manna came one day at a time. If they were worried about what happened, is going to happen tomorrow, it's not going to do any good. And yesterday, that man is gone. You'll see as we go through it. Yesterday, and I hope you folks don't get tired of uh, garden tractor pull illustrations. <laughs> if you do, I don't know what to do about it, but, uh, you know, between church stuff and ministry stuff and tractor pulling, it takes up a lot of my time. Yesterday, I went the whole way down to Maryland to a tractor pull. And uh, I, know the, I didn't know the owners of the place, but I knew the guy that was running it. And he came up to me about a half an hour before the, uh, the pull started. He said, hey, could, could you lead us in a moment of silence? I'm not a moment of silence guy. So I said to him, I said, you know what? I would be glad to pray at the, at the, the driver's meeting. And he says, and... and the thing is, he was really hesitant even to ask me. And he said something else. And I said, you know what? I will be willing to have a word of prayer. And I will also have a moment of silence. He goes, oh, thank you. So we get to there and he um, it says, hey, Pastor Paul's going to, uh, I don't know what he said. But anyway, so I just quoted that what it says in 1 Corinthians. It says, God has given us all things freely to enjoy. And I said, and I think that includes garden tractor pulling. And then I went on and I said, you know what? Um, we live in a world that's pretty messed up right now. <laughs> Election's coming. COVID's going on. Riots are going on. Uh, you know, we can trust the Lord. And so I prayed, and I prayed in that direction. I prayed for safety and good sportsmanship and those kinds of things. Well, after it was over, you never know what the reaction is going to be. And the owner and his son are the ones that had the, the venue. And uh, both of them, the owner and his son, both came up to me. But the son did. He came up and said, man, I real." there were four people that actually came up and said, we really liked your prayer. That doesn't normally happen. But four people came up and said, we really liked your prayer. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And, and we like what you said about the Bible and, and, and all those things. So, and then, of course, the guilt comes out. And the owner's son said, well, I haven't been to church in a long time. He said, I, I, I just don't have time. So... As tactful as I can be, I just said, well, you know that's a matter of priority. I said, and then I quoted him this scripture. I said, you know what it actually says in the Bible? It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And then I said, well, what, you know, and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, and I asked him what church. He went to, 
he used to go to, well, when he went, he went to a Baptist church, and I asked him what it was like, and it sounded like a lot like Garden Chapel, that the guy preached the Bible and that kind of stuff. But I challenged him. It's like, you know what? You need to put first things first. And uh, other guys came up, and like I said, they said, I didn't get the opportunity. But it's really cool where you can look at that and say, yeah, we live in a messed up world. This world is not a fun place to be at times, and it is not. I don't care what you think about COVID. I don't care what you think about anything. I'm just cutting right through the middle of that, what, what the Bible does. You know, their, their, their land, uh, when this was written, was really bad. But here's what it says. Don't be anxious. If you're anxious, you can't control what's going to happen tomorrow, and uh, the past is the past. You know what? You're living today. What are you going to do today? I'm going to end my sermon by, by just challenging you is, when people, whatever their point is, is we need to point people to Christ. His kingdom. What is his kingdom in this case? It's his rule over our lives. Is he the one that's ruling your life? Is he the master of your life? Or isn't he? If he isn't, you're going to be anxious. You're going to worry and you're going to be distracted by the cares of this world. His righteousness, guess what? His righteousness is not me. How good am I? It's just the opposite of that. How good is he? The best I can do is live out the righteousness that he's put in me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his rule over my life. And so when everybody else is spazzing out, I can be in the middle of that and say, I don't like it either, but I'm, it's not going to distract me from focusing on him. I'm going to live for the Lord today and I'm going to live the life to the fullest. That's what I'm going to do. And when it's His righteousness, I'm going to live in such a way that they see they don't have to live in fear. They don't have to be nervous about everything that's going on and distract them and just shut them down completely. I want to be salt and light. I'll end with that again. I know I will. At least I think I will if I get that far. But the point is, that's what we're supposed to do. We shine brightest. When the world around us is darkest. Think about that. When everything's going fine, Christians are like, yeah, we just kind of go along with the flow. Not when it's bad. We should be the ones that say, yeah, but we can trust the Lord. Yes, but we can keep our focus. Yes, but we can make a difference no matter what's happening around us. That's where we're at. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, why do I emphasize that? Let's go to Exodus chapter 16. I'm just going to bring up the very end of chapter 15 because I didn't deal with it before. But in Exodus 15, verse 26, it says, And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, then I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Notice what he says. You seek me. You obey, obey me. You do what I ask you to do, and I'm not going to put these life-threatening things, these things that will bring you to a premature death. I'm not going to bring them on you. And so they come to Elam. Elam is an oasis in the desert. And they're all happy. They're great. Everything they need is there. And then they take off. Now we're in 16.1. 
they take off from Elam. And as soon as they take off, they're out in the wilderness. Remember, wilderness is a place that will not sustain life without outside influence or outside provision. It's all you need to know about the wilderness. And it's one month since Passover. Passover was the first month on the 15th day. This is the second month on the 15th day. The Bible is very clear about things. Within one month, they have grumbled and God has provided. They have grumbled and God has provided. And one more time, they're going to grumble. The word grumble is used here more than all the rest of them put together. But they go out and here's what they say. Verse 2, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the sons of Israel said that we would have died by the hand of the Lord while we were in the land of Egypt. Now, they are not only blaming Moses and Aaron, but they're saying, we wish God would have killed us when we were still back in Egypt. What a mess. They, they were groaning because of the oppression and the bondage and the slavery. And now they're going, oh, we wish we would have died back then. Wow. That's why we don't live in the past, because we forget and we have revisionist history in our own lives. Think about it. When, well, just think about that. We tend to see the, the, the past different. He says, back in Egypt, verse 3, we sat by pots of meat. We had more meat than we could eat, and we ate bread to the full. We had more bread, and it went stale and got moldy because we couldn't eat it all. That, that's in essence what it comes. But you brought us out here to kill all of us in the middle of this wilderness, and you're, we're going to die of hunger. So the Lord said to Moses, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rain bread from heaven. This is the verse that we're going to look at later in the sermon uh, because it's quoted in the New Testament. He said, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go and gather, and I want you to look at this last part, a day's portion every day. Notice what God said. I will meet your needs. But it's not because you've stockpiled. And it's not because you, you ate extra yesterday. I am going to provide your need today. Give us this day our daily manna. It doesn't say that. But that's the essence of it. I will give you what you need today. And he did it for a reason, and I want you to see this very clearly, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Guess what? Did they walk in his instruction? Not a chance. <laughs> they blew it. Not any different than us. Remember, what was written in the Old Testament is for our instruction today. That's what the Apostle Paul said. So you look and you say, so God told us we can live in the Spirit. We can live for the Lord. We can be bright shining lights. We can be salt, in the dark, salt and light in the darkness and, and all those things. And, and we go, I don't know if I can do that. I, and God says, I don't know if you can do it tomorrow. And uh, I see what you did in the past. What are you going to do today? That's the key thing. What am I going to do today when these things come against me? And he said, I'm going to test them to see whether they will walk in my instruction. Guaranteed, I already know what the story says. They don't. But he wants to make clear. And then he says one more thing. He says, oh, by the way, at, at the end of the week, I want you to gather one extra day. Because on the Sabbath, I'm not going to give you any. Now, if you gather more than I told you, one, one omer is about 
two, two and a half quarts of volume. We don't know exactly what it was. You, if you look it up in a Google or a Bible dictionary, it'll go anywhere from two quarts to a gallon. I don't know what it is. I'm just saying it's enough that you can survive and thrive every day. That's all you need to know about this. And so he said, I will give you exactly what you need for each day. But on the Sabbath, when I don't want you to, to be working, the day before that, I will give you double. So go out and get double. Now, if you get double on any other day, the next morning when you wake up, your house is going to reek. It's going to stink to high heaven because it is going to get foul, it says. And this gross everybody out because nobody, no, no, I've seen what happens when uh, those uh, little, what do you call those mealworms or those uh, bugs that get in your cereal and your, your grain stuff, you know, not exactly appetizing. Well, guess what? You get more than you're supposed to. It is going to be foul. It's going to stink like crazy, and it's going to have worms in it. Nobody wants that. But you know what? Some of them are like, well, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe I better get extra. The whole house stank the next morning. You know, that, and he said, I'm doing this to test you. Are you going to trust me day by day by day? Are you going to do that? That's what I need to know. Listen, if you think I'm preaching this sermon to you, you're wrong. There's one, if I'm pointing one finger this way, there's at least three pointing my way. Because I'm like that too. Absolutely. I, like, I want to be able to control what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't. But I try. I fail the test just like lots of other people. And so that's exactly what happens, and uh, they do that. And then Moses says, oh, by the way, this is a one-time thing, and I know this because of the rest of the Scripture. He says, uh, verse 8, he says, I'll give you meat to eat in the evening, the quail we're going to come in, and bread to the full in the morning. And that's exactly what he does uh, for them. Uh, the quail come in. That is a one-time thing because we know later on they say, we hate this manna, we don't want this manna. You know, we want to go back to Egypt one more time. Um, and, but he does give them quail in this case. And it looks to me very clearly that it is a one-time thing. And so he does that, and he says, you'll have everything you need, and here's the reason why I'm doing this. Verse 12, you shall know that I am the Lord your God. I am the one that supplies what you need when you need it. You can live day by day. Each day is enough hardship of its own. It's tough. Well, I was going to say probably some of you aren't looking for tomorrow morning, but uh, maybe a lot of you have off work. But uh, the next day you go to work, you don't know what's going to happen. It's probably going to be work. It's going to be hard. And so uh, exactly what Moses had said happens, verse 13, the quail come in in the, in the evening and the next day, there's a layer of dew on the ground. Now here's the next thing, is they are told that they need to go out every morning and gather the manna. Notice what I said. This is the test. Will you follow my instruction? 
Because here's what happens. You know in the fall or the spring when, when we get a frost, right? You, you look out and it looks like it's snowed. It hasn't snowed, but all the tops of the grass are white, right? And then in about an hour when the sun comes out, every place there's a shadow, it's still white. It's kind of weird looking. But every place the sun hits it, it's gone. That's exactly what happened with the manna. He said, as soon as the sun comes out, it's going to melt. So whatever this manna is, and we don't know exactly what it looked like. We, I'll go over what we do know. But he said, you either go out every morning and get it before the sun melts it away, or you don't get anything. Test, will you do what I ask you to do? If they said, you know what, I really don't feel like getting up. You know what, I'm going to sleep in until 10 o'clock. Uh, you're going to be hungry today because your, your manna is gone. There is no manna to go out and get. You can't get your omer full of it. It's going to evaporate. Um, and they go, when it happened, they go, what is it? Guess what the word manna means? What is it is what manna means. Years ago, I, I worked with somebody, I think he was in the military, but remember back when Coca-Cola had the uh, catchphrase, uh, it's the real thing? Remember that? It's not that terribly long ago. Probably. Well, in this other country, and I don't even remember what country it is, but in the translation, it came out, Coca-Cola. Oh, I just, I just lost it. Hang on, I just lost it. Oh, it came out, what it is. Sorry, I, I, I got mixed up with the other one. It came out, the translation was, what it is. It's the real thing, what it is. And we joked about that at work for uh, probably a month. It was like, what, we didn't know something or how to do something. What it is. <laughs> you know, one of those things. Well, that's what they, they had never seen manna before. They had no clue uh, as to what it would look like or anything else. But, uh, so they called, what is it? And... Um, the answer is in verse 15, for they did know, not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. So Moses does give them the answer to that whole thing. And it goes on to say in the next several verses, it says, you know, if they gathered a lot, they didn't have extra. And if they didn't gather quite enough, they, hadn't, uh, they, they didn't have any lack. But as I already said, you know what? You cannot leave it till tomorrow morning. You have to eat it or it's going to be foul. And so, verse 21, they gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. <clears throat> and then they got tested on the, the last days is they went out and they gathered twice as much. Guess what? The next morning, that extra omer of of uh, manna, it didn't stink. There were no worms in it. It was exactly what God said. Same manna, but it's God's work. Why? Give us this day our daily bread, exactly what he asked us to do. And so guess what some of them did on the Sabbath day? <laughs> they, they went out. There wasn't any. Just like God said. And... Um, well, anyway, they're not too real uh, happy with them. They said, you know, wh what is this whole thing? Is, 
How long will, uh, this is verse 28, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instruction? Day by day. We live one day at a time, folks. You get distracted by going either direction. I must do what God wants me to do today. Not, well, I think I'll do that tomorrow. Or, I did that yesterday. Not good enough. Not good enough. If God wants you to live for Him today, don't put it off till tomorrow and don't say, I did it, you know, 20 years ago. No! I did it yesterday. No! Well, I'll do it a week from now or next time. No, no! We are to do what God asks us to do day by day. That's how He provides. That's His bottom line for everything. And so... Uh, other places, by the way, manna is called the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. It's called the bread of angels, and it's called the bread of heaven. By the way, that is not angel food cake. I will eat angel food cake any day, especially if you put some cherries or some other stuff on top of it. Man, that's great stuff. It's like eating you know, fluff. But nonetheless, it's not angel food cake. And it's not what angels eat. Angels don't eat anything. They're spirit beings. But it was brought by angels. And it's the bread that comes uh, down from heaven, according to Psalm 105. Now, there is an explanation of what it's like. It's like coriander seed. So that means it's round. It's real small, probably about a little bit bigger than an eighth of an inch around. Um, We know that the only way they could use it, if they were going to bake it, they could boil it. Maybe they could boil it like we do rice or barley or something like that. But they could also use it like we use flour, and they would take and grind it up. We find this in in, uh, the book of Numbers. They could grind it up, or they could use a mortar and pestle, and they could smash it, and then they could use it to bake or whatever else they wanted. So they could boil it or uh, bake it, according to the Scripture. Um, But it says that it was like coriander seed, but it was white. Coriander seed is not white. And its taste was like wafers with honey. So this was not like eating cardboard. You know, if you ever have food that has no taste whatsoever, you know, it wasn't that way. It actually had some good taste. So it was like eating a cracker with some, you know, jelly or honey or whatever on it. It it tasted pretty good. But uh, like anything else, they got uh, tired of it. And he said, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to go out and I want you to get one day's supply, one omer of it, put it in a jar and keep this as a testimony for the future. Now, the ark doesn't exist yet. The tabernacle doesn't exist yet. But they are already gathering this to keep it as a reminder of what God has done in the past. Here's what I want to say is if you're saying, I don't know if I can handle today, all you need to do is look back and say, has God met my needs in the past? See, there is a place for the past. But it's to look back and say, you know what? God never let me down. That's what a testimony does, right? It, I don't care what the testimony is to your salvation or anything else. God provided a need. When you look back, he says, I want you to look back and when you see this, You'll know that God met your needs, and He met them every day. When you followed my instruction, it worked out just fine. He said, I'm going to give you this for 40 years. Day by day by day 
by day. They couldn't cart it along with them. They had to take it or get it each day. That brings me to the end of 40 years and to a quote in the New Testament. Please, if you will, for the last six minutes, turn to John chapter 6, please. Because Jesus does exactly what the Apostle Paul said the Old Testament was for. Jesus uh, is going to use a quote, and it's Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, and it's John chapter 6, verse 31. The people said, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So they know what the Old Testament says. For 40 years, nobody went hungry. Unless they were disobedient, of course. But nobody went hungry. God gave them bread out of heaven to eat. That's the manna. Jesus turns around, verse 32, and says to them, Truly, truly, it's true, it's true. I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Notice he takes the quote and says, remember the manna in the Old Testament, which they did. Obviously, they just quoted Exodus. He said, nothing wrong with manna, but here's how manna works. It is keeping you alive physically. It gives you what you need for that day, the nourishment you need for that day. He said, but I have something different. I have the true bread that comes from heaven. For the bread of God, which comes down out of heaven and gives light to the world. When we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, remember, it's his righteousness that shines out from us. It's his light that shines out from us. That's what we need to do. You do not have to look for people who are discouraged, disgruntled, grumbling. They, they believe the world is going to end. Man, I don't know how many times I have had to explain we're not in the tribulation because people think that's where we're at. This has to be the tribulation. No, we're not in the tribulation. We have tribulation, but not the tribulation. The point is, people are bummed out. Am I a light? Am I the one that points them to, God will take care of you today? You don't need to join them. <laughs> they don't need a chorus. They need somebody to take a lead and say, you know what? God's still in charge. Don't get distracted. There have been worse times in this world. I'm not going to go over them, but there are worse times in this world for Christians. What am I doing? Am I light and salt in the middle? Am I saying, hey, you can turn to the Lord? Jesus, verse 35, said, I am, this is one of the I am's of the New Testament, I am the bread of life. I'm above and beyond manna. I'm way above that. I, I, I'm going to get, do something for you that manna could not do. Go down to verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. Manna got you through one more day. Nothing wrong with that. But he says, I got something that's way better than living one more day without hunger. I can give you life that goes on without end. That's what Jesus does. And so when we have opportunity, my, by the way, you might have to apply this for your own self first. 
But when we have opportunity, we need to get our focus right. Don't be distracted. Don't be anxious. Don't be careful. Don't be worried. No, God's still in control. And I know that because Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I give you eternal life. Even if you die out of one of these things that's going on now, we're above it. Because he's given us the true bread that comes down from heaven. And I know that because if you skip down to verse 47, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes out of heaven, so that you may eat and not die. Who's he speaking of? He's speaking of himself. He's speaking of exactly what he came to do, is to give us eternal life. Some people look at this and say, well, when you take communion, you're literally eating the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But under the appearance of bread and wine. That's not what this passage teaches. They literally believe they're eating the body and blood. That is not what the Bible teaches at all. How do I know that? Go the whole way toward almost the end of the chapter, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh Prophets, nothing. Remember, he said, manna came, and it kept you alive for one more day. I've come, I keep you alive forever, eternal. He said, the flesh, it's good for here and now, but it profits nothing ultimately. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You see, we have his words. I'm wondering if we use them. If you're down and out and you're, you're, you're stressed out, anxious, worried, the cares of this world are dragging you down, let's get our focus back right here. Because you look at this and you go, hey, we win. He said, I'm the bread of life. I give you eternal life. And it's not something in this world that gives you eternal life. That's not what it is at all. It simply makes it clear. The Spirit gives life. Christ provided for that life, but the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us that life. He says, the, prophet, the, the flesh profits nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. I have no problem with looking at the news. By the way, uh, my wife has now had to start turning off the news because it gets to her eventually. I've not a long time ago, because after a while you go, how many times am I going to hear all the negative stuff? <laughs> after a while it can get you negative even if you're not a negative person. But here's where you go. The words are spirit. The words are life. We need to have that testimony to the world around us. Hopefully a little bit like I had yesterday at the pool. I can say, seek ye first the kingdom. There's a, there's a priority here, folks. Get back to that. God will provide every day for us. Let's all stand together. Father, what a wonderful God you are. You sent Christ. You sent the Holy Spirit to bring that conviction. And Lord, I pray that we would not allow the things of the world to get us down. Oh, we need to know what's going on. We need to make right decisions. But day by day, step by step, and sometimes even moment by moment, we need to come back to you 
and get our attitude straight, our thinking straight, our spirit straight, our emotions straight. Because you promised that you would give us our daily bread. You would provide every day exactly what we need for that day. Lord, help us not to be like the, the Hebrews who failed the test over and over again by failing to follow the instruction of the Lord, but that we would live by faith and we would live one day at a time and be salt and light in this dark and dreary world that we live in. Lord, thanks so much for reminding us, us of that this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go with God and be salt and be light.